0: we 're not at Easter anymore we 've moved on. we obviously don't move on from the cross and the salvation of jesus but we we 've moved on and uh, one of the things we 're doing is we 're going to have a, a, a look at a different different series of thoughts between now and the summer uh, and we 're going to do um, initially just revisit mission and uh, have a look at Uh, Michael Frost's model for mission, Bells. Who remembers Bells? Do you all remember Bells? Which is, uh, so if I can have my slides, Janet, that would be great. So this this is a little bit of a recap initially. So do you remember what we said about living a mission lifestyle? We said there were three things, follow Jesus, serve others, live differently. And these are the keys to to a mission lifestyle. Jesus said, make disciples, but first we need to be disciples ourselves, and we've spent quite a lot of time looking at discipleship. The second one is that we are here to do good works, and uh, we're, we're encouraged quite often not to be too discriminatory about our good works. But our human nature, quite often, can be a bit discriminatory. Um, And then the final one is that we live questionably. We live in a way that other people don't live. We are not tied up. We don't have the slavery to the way the world operates. And after a while, those who get to know us should notice the difference. To which, as Michael Frost says in his book, Surprise the World, they will ask, and the answer is always, Jesus. What's the difference? Jesus. Now, so that's what we're going to look at, and we're going to spend uh, just a few weeks uh, doing that up to half term, and then we're, we're going we're gonna to move on. So, we're told to reach out. We're told to be missional church. That's the very beginning. That's Jesus Statement to the disciples before he leaves. Do you agree with that? Are we called to be missional? Are we called to be missional, church? See, it it could be questionable. It could be questionable. For some, the idea of church is about me. It's I want to be looked after. I'm here to be looked after. Now, obviously, as Jesus said, people will know that we are his disciples because of the love we have for one another. So, looking after one another is a default. But it's kind of so that we're all secure enough to do mission. We're looked after by each other. So what I don't want to do is just repeat what we said 18 months ago, though it is still up on the website. So you can have a revisit. And copies of Surprise the World! are around and if you want to read one I'd recommend it's only a little and it's clever and it's helpful and it's simple and what's more after this week each week we'll do a recap video with Michael Frost which is about three or four minutes just to remind us of what we did the time before so that's what we're saying so what does Bell stand for Well, it stands for these five elements that are simple enough and part of our discipleship walk. The B is for bless, that we share our things, we share encouragement, we share um, with others in terms of helping and supporting. We just bless people. We bless people. More of that in a minute, because that's what we want to talk about today. The second one is a favorite of several people, which is eat. Eating. Eating's a good thing. Big enthusiastic nod from Richard Whitney there, who does like to eat. I don't know. Maybe you don't like to eat. I like to eat. But eating together has always been one of those intimate things, that when people eat together, you are sharing an activity, you are sharing Uh, the same provision, you are, if you like, hitting a common ground. And eat doesn't necessarily have to be that. It could be just a cup of coffee, Um, although apparently I'm told that a chocolate brownie improves that immensely. Um, Okay, the the third one is if we're following Jesus, we need to learn about Jesus. What he said, what he did, we need to learn that. The fourth one, and we've looked at this uh, a bit, Uh, in the intervening 18 months, which is about listening to God, about that ability to hear what God has to say. God wants to speak to every single one of us. There is no impediment to hearing what God has to say if we're in Jesus. So we're going to talk about that. And then finally, what is our identity? We are sent by Jesus. That's where we are. We are in the world, not of the world. You heard that phrase? We're in the world, not of the world. That's because we've been sent here. I remember that old song, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Yes. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Pardon? Too you too young for that. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's true. So just that idea. So that's really what we're going to do about that. But, so while we're doing that, we want to look at what, why we would do that, why we would do that. And to some extent, we go right back to the very basis of the Old Testament law. And I'm not suggesting law. What I'm saying is that when God gave the law to the Israelites, what he said to them was this, I want you to obey this law, not because it's law, but because you love me. I want you to do this because you love me. Not because you have to, but because you love me. Not because of what you're going to get out of it, but because you love me. But because it was law, it had penalties back and forth. We are now under grace. So we are not obliged to live a mission lifestyle. We're not obliged that we can spend our entire Christian existence pleasing ourselves. I don't believe that that will exclude you from heaven if you're in Jesus. But it won't make you fruitful, which is your purpose in life. And what we know from that is that Christians who are not fruitful become anxious. I mean, if I'm honest with you, Christians who are fruitful quite often get anxious as well. But it's one of those things, because the more you concern yourself with yourself— the more you have to worry about. You see, if you're concerned with somebody else, you're only given limited information. If you concern yourself with you, the information is endless. And if you're anything like me, when you run out of information, you can just make some stuff up to worry about. (laughs) Do you do do that? maybe, Maybe I'm the only one here. So in that sense there, so our motivation has to be love. We are able to love because Jesus has transformed us, and that's the bit I really want to talk about, is about that transformed way. But we have to be motivated by love. And if we are motivated by love, then the drive to bless others should be a natural inclination on us. We should feel inclined to bless others. And in that, I want to read this, just this little thing that Jesus said. because. We have to learn from Jesus. And this is what Jesus said. Then Jesus said to his host, who was a Pharisee, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, and here's the threat, they might invite you back, and so you will be repaid. You invite them, they invite you. You invite them, they invite you. And of course, the most important thing that we used to do in central Scotland, uh, and I learned this, is they don't invite you back, you never speak to them again. Does <laughs> is that, is that law apply here? <laughs> right, yes, absolutely. It says, instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So, if we give in order to get back, we are not sowing generously. We're we're doing a transaction. We're investing in one thing in order to gain another. Now, I don't say this to make anybody feel bad, because if I'm absolutely honest with you, this is one of the things that needs to be transformational in us. Because actually, that kind of reciprocal thinking is part of human survivalist behavior. It's how humans survive. It's how we, who are actually physically pretty weak and puny, have managed to survive for a long time in what was, until we changed it, a very dangerous world. And that was by cooperating with one another. So, I do this, you do that. I give you this, you give me this. I put this in place, you put that in place, we all benefit. I tell you you're nice, you tell me you're nice. We both feel good. Or, do, do you remember, I, I don't know, I remember when I was at really early primary school, art, we did art, and, and used to go around after art and used to go, oh, yours is great, mine is rubbish. To which, what was the right answer? No, 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 yours is great, mine is rubbish. That was an important transaction. If you went, yeah, you're right, <laughs> you were in all sorts of trouble, weren't you? Because that wasn't the deal. There was a reciprocal process. Now, I know this is going to sound a bit controversial, but I really don't want you to be controversial about this. Right? And I include myself I was brought up in this. But the idea that, like, I help you because actually I want to feel good about me is somehow presented as selfish. But it's not. It's just normal. That's the deal. And, and similarly... And and if if I give to you, I somehow have this idea that out of whatever you've got, well, you know, that's only fair. Fairness is an interesting word. Fairness is supposed to mean straight down the middle, but my experience of fairness is that the person who says fair is kind of leaning their fairness in a particular... Have you found that? It's interesting. But that's not normal to, to... for us to say, you have, and I'm off. Normal human behavior that we've built up over over thousands of years has been that we survive by being what we call reciprocal. Now, lots of Christians are normal human beings. Lots of Christians are normal human beings, Ray. Yeah, yeah, the people on either side of you, I was talking to them. his hand. Good to see you, mate. (laughs) Right, I was only joking. So, anyway, but what it means is that sometimes we have this reciprocal thinking so ingrained in us, even as Christians, that we cannot let it go. We cannot let it go. So, we keep a score. And even if we give to people who can't give us it back, we keep a score of what we've done because, you know, you know that classic thing that um, what was it, uh, Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse did, you know, with the DJs who kept telling people how much they did for charity. I do a lot for charity, and it's like, well, I'm keeping score. I'm still expecting a return from my selfless giving. I'm giving selflessly, and I expect to get back. That's a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it, really? But that reciprocal thinking is normal behavior. I'm not suggesting for a second that any of us should beat ourselves up for thinking like that because that is human. However, Jesus says that's not spiritually blessing in the sense that you can store up treasure in heaven. It may well bless somebody to have a friendship. It may well bless somebody to, to be asked to dinner, and it may well bless them to ask you back, etc., etc. But there's another level of sowing that Jesus talks about. So don't get me wrong. I'm now not saying that we shouldn't have any reciprocal arrangements. The world would collapse. We would not manage to have healthy relationships if we didn't do that, Let's be honest, if you're looking for friendship and you pursue somebody who never gives back, your need for friendship isn't going to be fulfilled there. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't operate reciprocally. That would just make us martyrs. And frankly, if you did that, I'd stop liking you. Because uh, you just make me feel guilty all the time with that sort of passive aggressive mumbling and nobody ever gives to me. Anyway, bye bye. Enough about. My family. Um, So, So, this is what I'm saying for you, is this. Mission starts with a generous attitude. And a generous attitude is a big discipline because the discipline is to have non-reciprocal thinking. So, that's non-reciprocal thinking full stop. So, that's including we have no expectation that even God notices what we do. We're not doing it for it to be noticed. We're doing it because we are starting to get joy out of the idea that somebody else is getting joy. So we enjoy the fact that you have a sweet. It doesn't matter that we haven't. And it's interesting how our reciprocal thinking takes our joy away really rather quickly. I know it was a simple example, but don't tell me you didn't get it. You know what I'm talking about. And it is quite interesting. Now, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. And I'll tell you what it is, is that sowing generously has a spiritual authenticity that Satan doesn't like. Because Satan's kingdom is not made up of selfless generosity. Satan's kingdom is made up of keeping scores. What we do quite often though is we sort of, um, sort of accidentally keep score. It's an act of will to think non-reciprocally. It's quite hard to do. When I used to work in the care industry, uh, which I did for a long time. It's not at all unusual that people uh, get involved in care because they actually want something. People's motives are not necessarily pure, in fact, very rarely are they pure. Now I don't again say that as a form of criticism, it's almost like you're supposed to say it's criticism. I don't mean that, it's normal. Why would you do anything for a living if all you got back was money? Have you ever done a job just for the money? I have a couple of times when I was young. After a while, you really stop liking it. It's actually not enough. You know, you, you, need, you need a bit of meaning or a bit of something. i got a friend, and he, um, he moved in to work in the drugs field, to give you an idea. And he worked with me and we worked together for quite a long time, and then he moved on and he worked elsewhere. And uh, when I first met him, he he carried an awful lot of extra weight, and his trousers didn't fit him properly, and he smoked, and he carried a lot of weight often because he drank an awful lot of beer, and uh, and he worked in the drugs field. And gradually over the years, he, um, he stopped eating so many bad things, he stopped smoking, he cut down on the beer and eventually stopped it altogether. He took up exercise. He lost weight. This is over quite a long period of time. Looked like a different guy. But he, he got made redundant at this point from his job. And he was starting to ask, What should I do next? I've worked for 25 years in the addictions field. And after a while of reflection, he said something to me that was very meaningful. He said, I've kind of noticed that I'm not as interested in addictions now that I've sorted all of mine out. And there's real truth in that, that why was he moving through this process? That was a reciprocal, it was a healthy reciprocal relationship. First of all, he was good at his job and he helped a lot of people. Secondly, it clearly in the end probably prolonged his life quite significantly but it was a reciprocal relationship. This call to be challengingly different is to, is to at times, step outside of that. Are you following me with this, by the way? Because that's actually quite a difficult thing to do. I know lots of people who, honestly, Christians and non-Christians who walk around thinking that certain people or certain organizations or whatever, owe them. Owe them because I did this. Or I did that. Or I served in this way. Or I served in that way. And and I don't know. In one sense you could say, well, that's probably true. But this is not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying you give it just because you can. And you enjoy the blessing because somebody else is blessed. And you discipline yourself not to think about you at all. Which, as we've noticed, for people like Charles and Tony Roddy, it's difficult for them to get their head round, (laughs) but it's not all about you. I'm I'm joking, obviously, but uh, you know what I'm saying. It is actually very difficult to get our heads round, but that's what we're called to do. So I'm kind of talking about bless like we did 18 months ago, but this is kind of bless plus. This is bless plus. And I'm just saying, there's your challenge. So that's enough of me challenge. I'm not going to say any more about this. But we are called to love because we loved. So we, we do this because we appreciate God's attitude towards us. So we have a loving Heavenly Father. Do you believe that? Yeah. We have a loving Heavenly Father. With a distinct chance that we were never ever going to recognize what He did. He gave up His Son for us. God gave up His Son for us, whether we were going to accept Him or not. And Jesus came and gave His life, whether we were prepared to accept Him or not. That's good, isn't it? But there's our example. We have seen this, we have been beneficiaries of this. We need to realize why the Holy Spirit works so hard to transform our lives, and it's this. If you are looking after you and your world, then you're normal. If you have space in your life that doesn't include you at all, then that becomes a surprising thing. And people ask why. And the answer isn't, I am by nature a generous person. The answer is, I am being transformed by Jesus. That's exciting, isn't it? I know this is a bit challenging, but I I still think it's exciting. It's just exciting. So, okay, so that generosity is a spiritual attitude. But generosity of spirit in that way leads to all sorts of benefits from us. Ah, you're spoiling it, Graham. What, now, I'm not suggesting this sort of pre-Reformation flagellation thing, which is, I will give until I suffer, and the more I suffer, the more holy I'll be. I, have you come across that? You know, that sort of, you know, martyrdom. I've never been very good with martyrs, I've, I've got to be honest. I don't mean the real martyrs that Ray preached about, um, but, you know, people who sort of use martyrdom to get you to, you know, oh, It's all right. Don't help me, I'll be fine. I'm I'm bad with this. I I I don't know, maybe you give in. I give in. I give in. I hate myself for it, but I give in. Cause I but but I don't mean that. So generosity of spirit. So we have a joy in giving with no thought of return. And that is a difficult thing. We have a joy in forgiveness. Here's another one. Freedom in Christ talks about this, where we forgive even though we know the person will never acknowledge they did anything wrong. Hang on a second, Graham. And might well do it again, even to us. But we forgive. That is non-reciprocal. I'm very, very sorry. Please forgive me. Well, I should think so too. And thank you for acknowledging my rightness, which is what you're giving to me, and I will now endow you with my forgiveness, which is what, of course, I should do. I hope you're grateful. I'm being a bit sarky, but, you know, apologies are great, and accepting apologies are great, but forgiving even when the person does not acknowledge that they've done anything wrong, how easy do you find that? Not easy. Thank you, Linda. Okay giving people encouragement. We have an encouragement team. Where's our encouragement team? Hands up, encouragement team. Thank you. There we go. I was just encouraging you to put your hands up there. Um, here's the thing. It's easy to encourage people we like. What about encouraging people we don't like? Not easy. Thank you, Linda. <laughs> Linda is being your conscience today. I just want you to know. and Well done, Linda. What about saying something nice to somebody who actually makes your lip curl just hearing their name? (laughs) Do you know that involuntary sneer? What about such as a, ooh, they're lovely, but it's too late, it's gone, it's gone, you know, it just twitches up, just as they say it, you know, and can you go up to them and go, bless you, I think you're doing a great job. No, you're not. I think you're doing a great job. Can we do that? Can we encourage in a way that costs us? Can we do that? What about the enjoyment of seeing others try? I just want to say that we put a lot of store in encouraging people who succeed in our eyes. But that's because we're getting, isn't it? What if we just encourage people who try, even though they don't do well in our eyes? In other words, we're not getting anything from it, but at least they're having a go. Can we do that? Or do we just wait until they get a bit better and then we tell them, this this is good. What about a willingness to let go so that others can grow? What about a willingness to let go so that others can grow. Then it stops being about you or me. What about more joy uh, others receiving than us receiving? They're doing all right for themselves. Sorry, that just slipped out. One of the big, one of the big helps in all of this is it reduces our sense of feeling like we're owed something. Now, the symptom of feeling like we're owed something, by the way, is this, that we think we're missing out. And if that is allowed long enough, we start to think, even more negative things, like we can't do, we're not good enough, or other people are cleverer or smarter or better or more spiritual. That's a complete lie. The the idea that somehow people have more than us and that that is uneven or unfair or reflects on us is one of those lies which starts at infancy and grows to ruin the lives of millions. And Christians are not immune. But it makes it hard to bless from a position of disadvantage. And although God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing beyond what we can hope and imagine, we go, thanks very much for God, but. But this, but that, but. And this is, is, again, this is about reciprocal thinking. But if we can let go of that, we have more joy in other people getting than we have in us getting. And a reduction in our sense of being old, and an appreciation of small things as well as large, which I think is an interesting thing. <laughs> I'm tempted to go, sunny weather or new kitchen? Which one? Choose. Choose, choose. No. Kids are behaving themselves upgraded car. Hmm. Mm, mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kids is the right answer, Richard. I'm just helping you here. Okay. Really fast car. Kids. Y- yes, absolutely. Yeah. But, but it could happen to your kids. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Think about these things. And it's again about whether we can let go of ourselves. So if we do all of that, those simple acts of kindness become natural because we have stopped looking at ourselves. That's what I'm saying. And many, 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 many more benefits. So you cannot be generous in spirit outside of the family of God if you can't be generous in spirit inside. This is our practice ground. This is where we practice being generous in spirit. And if we have that little involuntary lip towards our brothers and sisters, then it's going to come out elsewhere as well. And we're going to be selective about who we bless and how we bless. And how are we selecting? Well, we are working on a reciprocal basis. Are you following me here? Even although we're not noticing it, we are. And that's what I'm encouraging you to try and move out. But if we sow those seeds in that way, first of all, people will notice that we are authentic. We say we're selfish or people see that we're selfish and that's authentic. We can do this in kindness. We can do this in words of encouragement. We can do this in small acts of thoughtfulness and kindness. We can do it very simply. Blessing is very, very easy to do. Can you think of a way to bless somebody? Right now, just come. Yep, can you? Pray for them. Pray for them. There's one, yep. Give them a sweet. Say again. Give them, a sweet. Give, them a sweet. Give them a sweet, you see. That's uh, exactly. This is for you. Pardon? Make them. Make them a cup of tea. Pay for their shopping. Say, shout that one. Pay for their shopping. Pay for their shopping. Now we're getting somewhere. Uh, see? yeah give them a call give them a call Say, so thinking of you got a text I'll take them out for take them out for the day that would be an idea say again um, come on is that it remember something that's yes how about just say that where were we yes that's, that's one of the most important things for people just that you feel like you've been noticed yeah Smile, for goodness sake, yeah. Turn your face upside down, you miserable Christians. (laughs) Absolutely. God is good. Tell your face. Absolutely. These are things that work. It's quite interesting. I've noticed one of these things, and maybe it's just me, right? But I'm noticing that men are losing the power to talk in public places which I find quite strange. So I'm in the supermarket and I'm in somebody's way and it's a bloke and he sort of stands there. (laughs) I don't know he's there, I'm I'm oblivious. And then I move to one side and I go, oh, I'm sorry. Zip, just, and you're thinking, you're a man, I'm a man. You could say, oh yeah, sorry mate. Or, Or equally could have said, excuse me pal. But no, just, (laughs) what has happened to men? They have lost the power of speech. Where did these social skills go? Ah, I know where they went. They went on Facebook, didn't they? Yeah, go home and vent where nobody else is. But it's as bizarre as that. How does that happen? But it's just that, just talk, that's nice. One of the things that you will notice in any public space is that if people talk to one another, you feel safer. And if you go into a public space and people are talking to each other, even though they're not talking to you, you feel safer. And why is that? I'll tell you why. Because we know that when people are operating reciprocally, they're in community, and when they're in community, we feel safe. When we're isolated, we feel that we're not. So talk to people, say good morning, there's a blessing. And then when they, when you, after a week you go, well, I don't say good morning anymore, why not? Well, nobody says it back. Reciprocal thinking, so, so that's what I'm saying. Anyway, by the by. So think of a person that you could bless. Can you think of that? Can you think of someone you could bless? What can you say to them that would be kind? What could you share with them, thank you John, that would make them feel noticed? I have noticed you. What could you give them that would give them pleasure or joy? What would ease somebody's burden? How could you let this person know that you're thinking of them? How could you help this person in an area where they struggle? How could you give this person reassurance or rest or comfort There you go. You're blessing us all there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring it back. Now bring the baby back. Bring the baby back. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Pardon? Yeah. Thank goodness I'm a grandparent. <laughs> so all of those things, are you following me just by the way? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this sounds really obvious, but it's there. So, what we have to do is let go for a bit, not always, but for a bit. When I used to be a psychotherapist, which was a long time ago, but when I used to be, a therapy session, I don't know, an hour, between an hour and two hours. And the bit that had to be important, and I think people still struggle with now, is that for that hour or two hours, you don't exist. You don't matter. You've got. 22 hours in the day where you can matter, and for two, you don't, because this traumatized person matters to the exclusion of you. Is my life sufficiently, have sufficient capacity to make that possible? Yeah. In fact, more than that. You know, I, I, can, I can not matter and then go home and matter it's not that hard, but it takes work and effort. Do you follow what I'm saying? So we desire to have what we want. We desire to get back. We need to be recognized. We need to have our share. We need to see that things are fair. We need to have our rightness acknowledged. But they're all coming from a place of insecurity because actually, if we belong to Jesus, we don't. Because he will give us the desires of our heart. That is, he will give us the things that we should desire. He will pay back. He recognizes us enough. He will make sure we don't miss out. It, fairness is his concern, not ours. I don't know, maybe you feel at times driven to being the champion of truth and justice. I felt like that myself a few times, but it doesn't get me anywhere. Sometimes it really does me in that somebody is wrong and will not acknowledge it. Though here's the thing I learned about marriage, by the way, and if you haven't learned this, I just want to help you. Okay, blokes. So you're arguing with your wife and she's wrong. I know that comes as a shock to some of you, but she is, okay? What becomes important to you, husband, is to explain caringly and lovingly that she's wrong. Okay, now what you've got to understand is that this makes its way to a wife's ear. And the words that are coming out of your mouth is, I'm not sure I love you anymore. I I might have gone off you. I don't think I really care. I'm being really aggressive now. I'm upsetting you. You're not noticing how I feel. See, whether you're right or not has ceased to matter. What you have to go is, I love you. I think you're fantastic. It doesn't matter who's right. I just think you're wonderful. And when everything's calmed down, (laughs) if you're really stupid... And can't leave sleeping dogs lying. Well, you'll do it all again, won't you? Really, let's be honest. And I think it's quite an interesting thing. I learned this after a while that I was upsetting my wife, not by being right, but by not acknowledging that tension made her distressed. Whatever it was about. Does that make sense? Figure that one out, lads. It's easy you go from those three little words to those two little words. That's what I've always said. Sorry, from I love you to yes, dear. <laughs> yes, dear. I, I, this helped me a lot. Anyway, that's by Biopower. Okay. But there's the other thing, and I say this to people who get married. Say, look, when you get married, here's the thing. Your well-being stops being your concern and becomes their concern. And their well-being stops being their concern and becomes your concern. And if you can actually live like that, you will grow in a spiritual partnership. It stops being about whether you're getting what you need and about whether they're getting what they need. And if you can live reciprocally like that, you can have a strong marriage. But that's it. So here's the deal. Right. I've got a job for you. I don't know if you've seen any paper near your seat. We did put some out. Have you got a piece of paper? Right. This is the challenge today. I don't know, has that been helpful today? I just, by the way, I feel like I've rambled a lot. But um, Well, no, I have rambled a lot. Okay. Right, I want you to think about somebody that you really, 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 really don't like blessing. Somebody that you find hard to bless. Somebody that irritates you in their responses to the things that you do or give. Somebody that actually you mostly don't have much to do with. Maybe somebody that occasionally you've thought you could do and then you've shied away from. Do do such people exist? What I want you to do is I want you to just put the first letter of their name on your piece of paper. So anybody that you sort of maybe think, well, I ought to have done this for this person. I ought to have thought, I, I, maybe I could have been a bit more encouraging. Maybe I could have phoned them. I said I would pray for them. I didn't because I'm frankly not that motivated. I'm a bit questionable about who they are or what they do. Maybe there's a section of the community that you don't get involved with, that have a need that you could help with. Maybe there are some people in our community who behave in a way that means that trouble comes to them and actually you're quite glad. Put this, now I have a box of pens here, if you need a pen. So we can pass them around, Big J. There's a company name on them, but I don't think they're going to ask for it back. Are they, Tina? Carillion want their pens back, do you think? No, okay. We could sell them and make a donation. So just think of somebody you find difficult or awkward. Is there anybody at all you find difficult or awkward? Somebody who just irritates you? I'm not going to say that you should now bless them, because you might find that difficult. But I'm asking you to put their initial on. And then, as though it was planned, I want to tell you that this was not planned. Can I just tell you, this was not planned. My plan was that you should fold up your piece of paper and put it at the foot of the cross. And I was thinking, well, do I get a bin and put it by this cross? And then guess what? And this, this, my son-in-law and his son have made me a cross today and just randomly turned up with a cross. I, I, seriously, how, how bizarre is that? The one week when I was going to ask you to put things at the foot of the cross, you turn up with a cross. I want you to know that there's an immense spiritual gifting in your son. It's fantastic. Well, not joke yet. That's fantastic. It really blew me away when you turned up. Here's a cross. I'm like, what? And there it is and it's for you. So have you thought about somebody? More than one? When I thought about it for a while, I had a list. Okay. These are the people that you find difficult to bless. The good thing about this is if you do bless them, it's not through any motivation of your own. And what I'm going to invite you to do is to put those pieces of paper, fold them up, and come and put them at the foot of this cross. And we're just going to spend some time thinking about how we can bless people who are difficult to bless. And how we can start living a missional lifestyle that is different, that is different from how everybody else lives. That's it. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus. Bring to mind, Lord, those that we find difficult to bless. Bring to mind those that we have to put ourselves aside in order to be generous to. And Lord, give us the motivation by your Holy Spirit to want to sow seed where the return is entirely in your hands and not ours. Lord, make us blessing people, not so that our needs are neglected, We want to put them in your hands. But so that as selfless, serving disciples of Jesus, we become more spiritually disciplined and therefore more like you. We just pray in Jesus' name. Amen.